You're listening to Integration Redesigned, the podcast that unpacks ideas, trends, and topics that directly impact developers and tech professionals. Join us as we learn from experts who are innovating and developing emerging tech with the world's leading brands. Well, hello and welcome back to Integration Redesigned. I'm your host, Kate Port, and today I am joined by Global Partnerships and Enablement Managing Director, Brad Steele. Brad also doubles as the General Manager for Thought Machine in the Americas. Welcome, Brad. Thank you very much, Kate. Glad to be here. Very glad to have you here. Over the last couple of months, we've been getting to know each other and the team at Thought Machine, and it's no surprise that everyone has a unique approach to partnerships and growth. And especially as we've grown in sales enablement and models and enterprise sales, it's been critical to figure out how to get to a one plus one equals three. Some companies have thought of a spray and pray approach to partnerships. Others have been more formal. What do you think your best performing strategy has been in formalizing these partnerships? But it's a bit of a mix of both of those, actually. I think it's it's uh, it's tempting to always take a spray and pray approach at first. I mean, you don't you know, if you're building a partner team or organization from scratch, you don't really know who are obviously going to emerge as your best partner. So for me, what I've what, what we did here at Thought Machine and what I've done in, in past lives is we often just cast a really wide net to begin with, and you're and you sort of have to to see, um, you know what all is out there and then which of those fish begin to really rise to the top. Um, not because they're dead, but because they're the, they're, they're the best ones, the biggest ones, the ones that are going to um, provide the biggest impact to your business. So I do believe in having to cast a wide net at first and then beginning to gradually, um, you know, vet, vet those relationships, but more so wh- whom are you able to establish real trust with or real bond with from a, from a business and in a personal perspective as well. Very important in establishing that trust early on. Um, and, and we look at, I've always looked at uh, partners who have, who share a similar sort of culture and ethos to your organization. So, um, for us, we want to partner with, with companies who are, um, cloud native, very cloud cloudy, you know, very cloud centric, cloud forward, innovative, um, scrappy, um, want to move fast and are looking to, you know, our, our, obviously your, your, your objectives have to be very well aligned. Um, and that's, you know, it, it, there's got to be a clear, clear alignment on um, what we're trying to achieve for our, our joint client, what what outcomes we're trying to try to drive, um, or it's going to just be able to begin to separate very, very fast. But I can't emphasize enough. It's got it. There's a it's like interviewing people. You have to have that um, kind of innate sense of do I trust this person? Can, do I do I believe what they're saying? Um, do I believe they're going to do what they say they're going to do? Um, can I, am I comfortable representing this partner to my CEO? Would I want to bring my CEO into the, the meeting, um, and, and have that person, my CEO walk away with a, with a sense of, okay, this is somebody we want to put our, put it in the hands of our business or put our business, you know, put our business in the hands of rather, um, to help us, uh, drive forward. Uh, so it's a bit of those both. And then as, as you cast that net and begin to build those, those motions and, and earn that trust, it's, it's then you do have to get into more formal sort of alignment around, um, you know, whether it's a formal partner agreement or, or something to hold each side accountable for what you're um, expecting out of the relationship. 
what are kind of the, the the rules of the road of the relationship when when somebody goes outside the outside the bounds? How do you how do you call that out and course correct? Uh, and then how are you going to measure um, the success of that partnership? And you just have to be very candid on um, what great looks like and when things aren't going well, um, being able to pull the brakes and 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 be willing to have that hard conversation of this is not working for us. It's <laughs> the relationship. It's just you know. It's it's uh, we need to we need to break up and uh, move forward. I think the analogy or to dating is maybe a little um, a little basic, but it certainly resonates because when you think about the best partnerships and working relationships that have existed, if I look back at my career, it's always started with the team and the people and while of course the technology has to overlap and you have to be delivering value, I love that those are things that you brought up. That relationship has to happen because when you go on that first date or second date with that partner where you're introducing them, they're introducing you and your teams are all getting together, it can really, it can seem uh, really exciting in the beginning. And then when you really get into the meat of it, you realize maybe this isn't the match that I thought it was. But a big part of that are the people. And so when you think about hiring a team, how have you hired the team to support you and around you to drive that focus and relationship management? People who have deep experience in in partner relationships or partner management and that that's natural and that's ideal, but it doesn't necessarily mean they are great partner people. Obviously, and you face that in any role. But the the thing I'm looking for in somebody who's who's been doing that is is I, I touched on before around that that innate ability to earn trust. I, I can't I can't emphasize it enough. But when I'm hiring somebody, um, whether they came out of a partnership role or not, because I've hired a lot of people outside of any experience of partnerships, but just have that innate ability to walk into a room and earn trust very very quickly. Um, and, and, and get people to open up and, and, and talk and, and, and not be, not initially be salesy, uh, because that's not, that's, that's actually could be very much of a turnoff in a, in a partnership role. Can't be transactional. It's gotta be somebody who has, um, more of a, a, a missionary versus a mercenary sort of, um, attitude or behavior. Um, yes, we all want to drive to a certain outcome and we want to do it as fast as possible, but there's gotta be this, you know, long-term view and outlook in the post. They need to be a long-term thinker, a, a, a builder, and knowing that things are going to take time, they're going to hit bumps in the road and have that patience to, to see through them or, and, and that, that vision to see, see long past them. Um, so that, that, that ability that to, to earn that trust, that, that trust with that partner um, and have that long-term view of, of, of where this has the potential to go um, in a very mission-oriented sort of approach. However, I also, I, I, you know, we can't, partnerships, successful partnerships is often hard to measure. I often kind of say it's like a billboard that how do you, you know, often, you know, billboards can be effective, but often how, how are they, how do you measure them? Um, and they're, they're very key metrics you can measure around a partnership, certainly, but there's often a lot of, um, you know, more, uh, just the intangible qualities that you know are helping to get that partner to talk about you and drive market awareness of your every product, even though you might not see the you know, direct correlation. Um, but you do have to have a, a bit of a, you know, commercial acumen as well. So there, there can't just be um, this notion of, you know, I'm out there and, and grinning and gripping and building relationships and hoping something happens. Um, there's got to be an element of, 
uh, we're driving towards some sort of positive commercial outcome. However, we're going we're to manage that. And then what are the constructs of, of a commercial relationship? So it's got to be that blend of, of long-term thinking relationship missionary with sort of a more of that commercial, we need to have a positive a business outcome. I, there's a couple other things I would add to that too. I, from, from a people perspective, I, the, the, um, I think it's also important to have someone who um, has a lot of backbone and has um, can use it tactfully. And and what I mean is, uh, it, it's easy to and this can be internal and external. So um, there's often a lot of conflict between a partner organization and the sales organization within a company. Um, and although certainly partner teams are, are are there to support sales and drive sales outcome. There, there could be some conflict, just inherent conflict um, around a variety of different things. But, but it's important to have a partner person from an internal perspective with backbone to be able to, um, to manage the, through that, that, that conflict and make sure there's, there's you're meeting eye to eye and, and, and helping each other down the same path um, without being um, in conflict with each other. But even more so perhaps is externally. I mean, the, 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 when you're a partner person, you're working with other partners or bringing partners to clients. Um, there's always inherent skepticism around partners and partnerships, and from a client perspective and other partners. And you, you just have to have the ability to go, you know, toe to toe with um, the most you know senior partner person people in the in those uh, partner organizations um, to be able to again make sure you're 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 truly aligned in both getting the the outcome you want that it's. You know, it's a partnership, um, so it's not one-sided, and, and that can often those can often be difficult conversations as well. So I think somebody who has a lot of backbone can, can use it tactfully, um, appropriately, not just come in and kind of be a bull in a china shop and and you know, pound their way through the relationship. So many things that you said resonated with me. One being that when I interview someone, whether it's a phone screen or in person or over a Zoom or Google Meet, I can usually tell pretty early on whether that person is going to be a fit for what I'm hiring them for. And it feels like in a partnership role, that would even get highlighted. Have you ever been on the phone with someone or giving an interview where you're like, this is, there's no way this is going to work? Well, 100%. Yeah, many, <laughs> many, many, many times that. Um, here and in my prior life at, at Amazon, where I literally, I think I did close to a thousand interviews, uh, of different, just over the 10 year career there. Um, the, uh, I've had many, many times where, uh, and, and I often will end the interview early. I mean, it's just not worth anybody's time, but yeah. there's you no know, within 30 seconds, like this is absolutely not a fit. And there, and, and conversely, there are others where, you know, within a minute, you're like, yep, this is the person. Yeah, like th this is this yeah. is the person we're going to bring on because yeah. not only do they have to be able to talk about themselves in a way yeah. where you're interested and engaged, but you have to then trust that they're going to talk about your company and in turn the partner that they're going to be sure. working with. And I think that that's such a huge value add when you get that. But we've all been on those calls and we oh, don't yeah. need to go down the interview path where, cool. gosh, <laughs> this yeah. is a waste of both of our time. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of that, one of the things I've really enjoyed getting to learn more about from you and the other team members that I've been working with is the culture at Thought Machine. And as a native New Yorker, I can appreciate that you're you know, in that New York office. You also have offices in London and, and other places. But um, 
Thought Machine is known for being a fantastic place to work. When you think about that, what are some of the things that you've done to help with that workplace culture or collaboration? Because it has to be in the DNA if you're getting recognized for that type really? of environment. Yeah, I mean, it, start, it, it starts with hiring. It just does. Yeah. You, you, you know, I think we have, I don't think, we, we have some, so we are London-based and, and, and we, we have some very strong sort of cultural leadership principles um, for the company that, um, that when I'm hiring when, when, and when I have my people, my team hire, I want them to screen for those principles. You, know, you need to hire around the, your, your culture you, you, you know, and what the leadership principles are. So it starts with that and, and you have to believe in, in them and what they are. Um, so started with culture, but, but it's, uh, you know, I think for, for us here in New York as the, as the, um, you know, the headquarters for, for the America's office, we are, we, we try to, everyone says that we try to make it a, you know, a, a work hard, play hard sort of culture, um, which, but I believe we genuinely do. We have, uh, it's a very open environment, physically a very open environment. Um, so everyone's kind of in each other's uh, business throughout the course of the day, which which can be fun. But we we add we have a el- couple of elements to um, fun elements to what we do. We have Thought Machine um, in in London. It's Thought Machine Friday, but we've made it. Uh, we've kind of Americanized or New Yorkized it, if you will. And then, so we do TNL Thursday Night Live instead um, instead of Friday afternoons. But that is our, our weekly um, opportunity for the for the whole off the whole team in the Americas to get together for, um, it starts off with just a half an hour of just updates, things going on, what's happening company-wide globally, and then certainly in, in the U.S. or Americas. But then it's a, it, it just breaks out into um, intended to be a, maybe an hour of sort of more social and, you know, get darts and uh, all, a bunch of different games in the office and um, drinks and snacks, et cetera. But it usually will go for, for multiple hours into the evening. And it's fun because you actually end up there are people who will who will linger for quite a long time, and, and I have found when you see, when people want to actually hang out with each other post office hours, that's a really good indication that you got something that's working and people are gelling. So we bring the fun element into it. We do, um, you know, we do uh, uh, lunch roulette every every couple of weeks where we match people up randomly to go to lunch or groups of people. So that that's been a nice touch. Um, but just I think keeping things keeping things light um, is really important. Um, but but you got to keep people tied to the mission, and and I think that's one thing that that um, Thought Machine's done well is we we just truly have a we have an awesome mission. What we're trying to set out and do, and transforming banks, and um and and helping them, you know, freeing them from these legacy technology systems that are completely stifling the banking industry. And um and I think people really buy into it because we've all had crappy bank experiences, and we all see. Wow, I can I can change that. It touches so many people in the world in one way, shape, or form. So I think people have really bought into the mission of there are very few industries in the world that need and are ready for and have to have your solution. Um, they have to do this, and that's it's and and so that's really gets people to really buy into um, this sort of I'm changing the world sort of mission, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then I think it's just an extremely transparent culture where we're very very transparent with what's going on in the company. Good or bad, um, keeping it real, sharing numbers, sharing metrics, sharing anecdotes, um, delivering tough messages fast, and I think that just gets people to trust and buy in um, to what we're doing. And it's a real culture of empowerment and ownership. Um, we want people to act like an owner, behave like an owner, treat the company like it's yours, like it's your money, um, and it just gets people to really buy in more um, to wanting to make it a great company. 
and it's a builder. It's a build. It's it. If people feel like they're building something here and not just kind of spinning plates and keeping things going. When you were talking about the experience for your customers, as well as the experience for your employees and building out a better banking experience, I think that that resonates with many people in their day to day. And so if you're really thinking about the mission of the company being to change the banking experience, to then have that translate to the culture of your business, your employees, your partners, experience matters. I think it always has mattered, but it seems to be getting highlighted a lot more. And that's why people can get really bought in. So I love that. I think our listeners will certainly appreciate that. We could even talk about that in another uh, well, another that- episode, I'm sure, as we, we continue down the, the road of partnership. But Brad, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And yes. uh, I'm sure we'll be back to talk more as yep. things progress with our partnership. Yep. Everyone, thank you for joining the DigiB Integration Redesign Podcast. I'm your host, Kate. Have a great day. been listening to Integration Redesigned. To learn more about how DigiB can help your team connect and integrate systems at scale, visit digib.com. Thanks for listening.